economic capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. Hour number two. Oh, yes, as the madness continues, don't forget to join us Thursday and Friday at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. And plus, you've got Hoop Central coming your way where you can see all the games in the International Theater. How about that? All right, I want to thank our good friend Tim Brando joined us last hour. That uh, interview will be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. The bracket's up there and everything else. Oh, yeah. Always a great time as we continue with more March Madness coverage all week long. Heck, all month long. Take you the first week of April. and Looking forward to, again, next weekend here in Las Vegas. We've got the West Regional. We'll be out there for that. And, of course, uh, Houston the following week for the Final Four in the championship game. So no better coverage than here because we're bringing you not only uh, our great uh, handicapping guests, but our broadcasting uh, guests and coaches and everything. And uh, a guy who will be on the the CBS broadcast coming up this weekend, of course, our good friend Steve Lapis, the former coach at Villanova. And uh, he's been all over the place, including here in Vegas a, a little while ago as well, too. Steve, what's going on, my friend? I'm doing great, TC. How's it going? It's going great, my friend. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, we, I, I, this is great for me because I go from Tim Brando to you. So I go from all, all, all of the laughs and the, and the craziness, you know, that we get with Brando. And then we can actually break it down with you now with the X's and O's and everything else. Well, you're, no, you're slum, you're slumming with me, that's for sure. <laughs> and our good friend Pete Gillen will be joining us as well, too, you know, this week. Oh, great. I, I got to give Pete a shout out as well, too. I mean, the guy has more one-liners than Henny Youngman. Yeah, no question. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Good talking with you again. Yeah, it's good to be on with you. You know, exciting time of year, looking forward. We have a pretty, you know, I'm excited about our games. Hmm. I guess all the, everybody's excited about their games. But, you know, I think we have a really good region, a really interesting region. We're in Columbus. Yep. So we're going to have, you know, Michigan State, USC, Marquette, Vermont, uh, Memphis. Um, you know, so we got to, you know, Memphis, Purdue, obviously. So it's, it's a great floor. Atlantic's a great story. And then we're going to find out, I guess, t- tomorrow night, who else is going to be there because uh, with the winner of the Texas Southern FDU game, we'll play Purdue. Right. All right, let's talk about this region where you're going to be, uh, Steve, there in Columbus. And I want to start with USC and, and Michigan State. A pretty even game there. I don't know if either team, you know, can can win, you know, pass this round or go deep into the tournament. Uh, you look at that game, but I, I love Marquette. Uh, this team, you know, winning the Big East, Shaka Smart's done a fantastic job there. But I know there are some pundits out there thinking that the Catamounts of Vermont could uh, give Marquette some trouble here. Uh, you know, let's talk about those two games and and how you view each one of them. Well, you know, the only thing I, I disagree with is with you is that this year there's no great teams, and right. I agree. Michigan State and USC, neither one is great, but if they get hot. The way this tournament is now, they can win. You know what I mean? It's true. I, I it's true. Yeah. They're going to win the title. Just, this is the most wide open it's ever been. Usually, sometimes we have three or four teams that can win. 
Most of the time, we have eight or ten teams that can win. I think now we have like 20. And so 25 teams maybe. So it's, it's just, I was with John Calipari a couple of weeks ago. I did their uh, game against Arkansas, and he told me there were 40 teams. So, I mean, that's how crazy this year potentially could be. Now, that being said, I think I do have – it's a very even game. There's no doubt. You know, I think that, you know, Michigan State's going to have their hands full with uh, Boogie Ellis, who, who plays for USC, who's a tremendous scorer. Uh, but that's going to be a really interesting game in that, you know, uh, both teams can shoot the ball. Both teams will play half court. I'd say USC is probably a little bit better defensively than Michigan State is. You know, that's kind of where they lean their hat on. They have a couple of big guys that can block shots. So, uh, but, but I think that I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. And uh, a lot depends on how A.J. A. Hogard plays and Tyson Walker, the guards from Michigan State. Right. Right, no, totally agree with you with that. You know, Boogie Ellis, we've seen him a lot here um, in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, he's a fantastic player. Like I said, Andy Infield continues to to get to the NCAA tournament with with the Trojans. And you know, then going looking at, at Marquette there. I mean, this team is a two seed, well deserved. Uh, you know, ran their way through uh, the Big East uh, despite some tough competition there. We know that you know Providence was tough earlier on, but UConn or you know rock solid in that Xavier team. Love that Xavier team as well. And then let's don't forget about the Creighton Blue Jays. And when you look at a team like Marquette, I mean, they are really battle tested, aren't they, Steve? They're really battle tested. And the thing about Marquette is they are such a good offensive team. And and the truth is. They were picked ninth in the Big East this year in the in the preseason. So the job that Shaka Smart has done is unbelievable. And it's kind of like I, I liken it to an old-fashioned coaching job in that no transfer guys. I mean, Tyler Kohler came in the transfer two years ago in the transfer portal. So no guys from the transfer portal this year. A team that everybody just got better and better. You look at their stats. Every All these guys were on the team last year. And everybody doubled their productivity this year. And I think that's a lot to do with coaching. Mm-hmm. And coaching is, coaching is obviously a, lot, a big part of this. And Chaka has developed this thing the way he wanted to develop it. And you got to give him a ton of credit because nobody saw this coming. The way they play together, they have great chemistry. Um, but offensively, they are really tough. And, you know, Tyler Kolick was the player of the year in the Big East. He was the most outstanding player in the tournament. And he is one tough point guard. And when he's got the ball in his hands, which is a lot, things are happening. And that kid can make things happen for his team. They are a really good team that is really connected. Steve Lapis joins us. He'll be on the CBS coverage in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. Uh, USC, Michigan State, Marquette, Vermont, Purdue will get the uh, the winner of uh, uh, the game tonight. But then Memphis and Florida Atlantic. And I know you probably... I've already started doing your homework on this, Steve. I really want to pick your brain. I know our listeners want to hear about this because we saw what Memphis did to Houston. I know it was without Marcus Sasser last week, but Memphis, you know, Penny Hardaway's got himself some athletes. Uh, they're very, very dangerous, and not too many people know about FAU, but this team has had one heck of a season, 31-3. and Their coach has done a fantastic job uh, improving every year there. What can you tell us about this matchup? Because as we know, with eight, nine matchups, it really is a flip of the coin. I cannot make up my mind on this game. I need some help. 
it's an intriguing matchup, you know, because the, the teams are really so different. You have Florida Atlantic, that's one of the smallest teams in the country. Certainly one of the smallest teams in this tournament. They start one big guy, and nobody else is over 6'4". So they are really small. They make 10 threes a game. So they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They rely on the three heavily, and they basically go four out, one in with all these small guys. They all can drive the ball. Almost everybody on the team has 35 to 40 assists. They all can pass. They all can dribble. They all can shoot. They have one big kid, Golden, who's seven feet, who's a decent inside scorer. I don't know if he's going to be able to score that much against a Memphis, you know, because, you know, Conference USA, the big guys are a little different than, than Memphis is used to. But I can tell you one thing. They have seven guys on the perimeter. They play nine guys. Nobody plays more than 25 minutes. Nobody plays less than 16. So it's as balanced as you're going to get. They have number one bench in the country. They get 30-some-odd points off the bench. So this is a team where they're going to play a lot of guys. They're going to, they're going to go spread the floor. They're going to shoot threes. They can put it on the floor and drive it, which is how they create a lot of threes. So it's going to be a – and they are a, a very – another – you know, when you get to this point and you're 31-3, and three, obviously you have tremendous chemistry. But this is a team that's basically playing with – Seven guys that could all play the point, all play the two. You know, you don't see it that often, but that's what this team is like. They can all play the point. They can all play the two. They can all shoot. And then they have two big guys they rotate inside. Uh, Memphis, on the other hand, is Kendrick Davis is as good a player as you're going to find in the country. And then DeAndre Williams, those two guys score 40 points a game between them. 6'8", transfer from Evansville. So Memphis is bigger, more athletic. But they're going to have their hands full guarding this team. And if this team is hitting shots, which they normally do, it could be a long night for Memphis. Now, Memphis has better talent, no question, and a little more athletic and bigger. But they're going to have their hands full with this team because this team has had an unbelievable season, 31-3, and as you said, and they can really shoot it. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the winner of this game, if it is Florida Atlantic, you're looking at a matchup against Purdue. And I know that there a lot of people are thinking, okay, Purdue could be one of these teams, you know, with an early exit because we've seen that before. But could this, this Florida Atlantic team, could they be that Cinderella story? And could they give Purdue trouble? Especially considering, you know, Purdue's, if there's a, a weak spot, it's, it's maybe Purdue's guards. Well, here's what I'll tell you that, uh, you know, Purdue's already had numerous games this year against high-level competition where Zach Eady has scored a bunch and they've lost. Right. Okay? He scored 32. I was there against Indiana, and they lost. Now, that's playing Indiana. That being said, I think that the Florida Atlantic team can make things difficult for the perimeter players of Purdue on a given day. So he's going to get his against them. There's no way he's not going to. But I think they have, Purdue has shown that they can lose with Zach Eady scoring 30. Now, not a lot. They only lost five games all year. Let's understand that. But he's going to get his against Florida Atlantic. The question is, what could they do against everybody else? Now, I think Florida Atlantic is going to have the hands full of Memphis. Let me just say, I don't know why we're, we're jumping ahead. Right. I think I'm just saying, Purdue's yeah, possibility. Tough, right, right, right. Purdue's going to have a tough game with either Memphis or or Florida Atlantic, especially if they don't shoot the ball well. 
Now, I give Matt Painter credit. Earlier in the year, he was starting Caleb First, who's not a good shooter, and Ethan uh, Morton, who's also not a good short shooter. And now he's decided to start Gillis and Brandon Newman, who are better shooters. So he, he I don't want to say he figured it out. He knows. He's a great coach. But he has definitely decided, I'm going to surround Zach Eady with four guys that can make a three and see what happens. And that's where he's at. So they got four guys. And this kid, Jake, is now coming off the bench, played great against Penn State the other day. It's another three-point shooter. And that's the key for Purdue. If they make threes, they can't lose because the big guy is just too good. Yeah. Steve Lapis joins us, CBS, the former Villanova coach and others, and uh, he'll be on the coverage on Friday. Can hardly wait uh, for those games that we're just uh, talking about in that region. I want to talk to you a little bit, Steve, about the SEC. Uh, Eight teams uh, seems maybe a little excessive. Uh, Give me your thoughts about the SEC overall, and then, of course, Let's talk a little bit about Alabama because when I look at this team, I really don't see a weakness. I'm with you. There's more parity this year. Anybody, like you said, you know, you could say any of the maybe the top four or five seeds could win uh, this NCAA tournament. But when I look at Alabama, I look at them as the team that really d- is is probably the strength of, of everyone because they can shoot it. They got height, they got size, and Nate Oates has done a great job of coaching this team, especially under these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, they have a great team, obviously. They're the, the overall number one seed. Um, you know, they're, they're reliant on shooting threes, and they're reliant on turning people over. But they're really good. I, you just wonder, and I, I said this the other day to somebody, you know, the, 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 they've been followed just now by the SEC media. Now they're graduating to the national media. Is that going to have any effect? All this other stuff that's been going on with Brandon Miller, who obviously is a great player, one of the best players in the country. Is all that stuff going to get worse? Is that going to become a bigger distraction? Now, obviously, they've dealt with that. It's, to me, if I was coaching, I would think that's a major distraction because everybody's asking you questions about that. But that's SEC media. Now you're graduating to the national media, and they're all going to ask the same questions. Yep. So whatever you've been asked, you're going to get asked again, without a doubt. And so how are they going to handle that? Are they going to get tired of it? What's that going to do? So, yes, from a talent standpoint, they have tremendous talent. I mean, you know, after Zach Eady, Brandon Miller might be the second-best player in the country. He's certainly up there. But you, you just don't know how they're going to handle this next level of pressure that they're going to see based on the things that have happened around them. Mm-hmm. We talked about the parity, so much parity this year. What is the reason for it? What is, is it the transfer portal? Why this year is there not a clear-cut choice to like who could be cutting down the nets? Transfer portal. Yeah. COVID year. Guys are – the teams are much older. You know, you, you look at some of these teams – and you, you, know, you, you look at this Memphis team, for example, they have all fifth-year guys. So, I mean, you know, this Memphis team is, is, is a dangerous team because of they're all fifth-year guys. And why do you have a fifth year? Because of COVID. Because of, you know, guys, are, guys that aren't in the NIL is keeping guys in school longer that normally would have said, the heck with it, I'm going to give it a shot in the NBA. Now, if you're not a definite draft pick, you stick around. 
because at least you got a chance to make some money in college that you couldn't make if you weren't drafted in the NBA. So I think between the NIL, the COVID year, and uh, and just the way things have evolved, the kids that are going to college are staying longer, unless obviously like Brandon Miller. No, no NIL is going to be able to pay him as much as the NBA will pay him next year. But you know what? When you get out of that first round, you might have a better deal where you are than if you went to the NBA. Who's the best team you've seen this year? Wow. That's, uh, you know, I've I, I, I basically seen them all. You know, I would say, I'd say Houston is, 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 the best team I've seen live, as long as Marcus Sasser's all right, which evidently he's, you know, it sounds like he's going to be okay and he's going to play. He just gets scared when it comes to groin injuries. But I would say, uh, I would say Houston. But I got to tell you, in terms of who I've seen, like on TV and everywhere, I say I think Arizona's really under the radar. Right. And they're they're a lot better. I mean, I don't know. Not necessarily they're a two seed. I don't want to say a lot better than people think, but they are really, really good. And uh, and I think and then Gonzaga is kind of functioning under the radar also. So there's a couple right there that you know nobody's talking about. Everybody's talking about Purdue. Everybody's talking about Houston and Alabama. Uh, but let me tell you something. Those two teams are functioning under the radar, and it may help them. I agree, and again, we get a chance to see uh, those teams quite a bit out here with the conference tournaments. Uh, Gonzaga, again, you know, Timmy's still there, but the guard play maybe is not what it used to be. But and the depth definitely is is not there. But the way they handled St. Mary's, the way they did in that WCC championship game, was just uh, incredible. With the chip on the shoulder, the way they've been able to bounce back, you know, from that embarrassing loss at home to Loyola Marymount earlier, and then they go on the road and beat them by forty-five. You no, know, Gonzaga does have a chip on the shoulder. Love Arizona and what they bring. They've got size uh, again. Great guard play. Tommy Lloyd's done a great job. Uh, I love that. But then and UCLA you know too. And UCLA is just yeah, I understand UCLA, the Clark injury, but yeah, the Clark injury, UCLA, but man, they're tough. You worry about Jalen Clark yep. not having him, obviously. That's a tough that's a tough blow. Um but the the thing about Gonzaga is no, you're right. The guard play's not as good as last year, but guess what? It may not need to be as good as last year because of college basketball and the way it is now. That's all that matters. Right. Yes. You're right. Last year, their guard play was better. No, they had Andrew Nemhard, who was tremendous. I agree. But guess what? They've got enough this year to do what they need to do if everything falls right. We know that you've broadcasted some Mountain West games, not only this year, but in years past. You've been out here to Vegas. And a little surprised at the seeding with San Diego State, a 5 and then, you know, Nevada gets in the tournament, especially the way they ended the season, you know, losses against Wyoming. They got swept by UNLV and then they go and the, they lose in the first round to San Jose State. I'm really shocked, Steve, that they made it. And I know they're in a play in game and they're playing tomorrow night against Arizona State. But give us your thoughts on the Mountain West. And we know that, the, you know, four teams they went last year didn't win a game. Uh, the year before that, they didn't win a game. Uh, what are you thinking? And we'll throw Boise State in there as well because they made the tournament. You know, I was really surprised Nevada made it. I'm going to be honest with you. And don't get me wrong, they had, a, they had a good resume. I just thought when they lost that game to San Jose that they were going to be out. Now, that being said, 
I think this is a big year for the Mountain West because the Mountain West had a great season. You get four teams into the NCAA tournament, you got to win some games. Uh, I think that I, I think San Diego State got a good draw. I know College of Charleston's had a great year. I understand that. But San Diego, you, what makes College of Charleston good, they're deep. San Diego State's deep. The other thing about San Diego State, they're more physical. They need to be very physical against this team. Uh, I think that's going to be important. But I think San Diego State has a great chance to advance in this bracket. Um, you know, Boise State, they've got a great chance, too. They're playing Northwestern, not a great scoring team. We know how Boise State can defend. So I, I think this is set up so that there's a possibility for somebody from the Mountain West to get to the Sweet 16. All right. All right, give us uh, give us that uh, under the radar. You already talked about uh, Arizona a little underrated, but give us that sleeper. Give us that one of those lower-seeded teams. Are we going to have a St. Peter's this year? Who could be that St. Peter's from what we saw last oh, year? God. Let me tell you something. If somebody could have predicted that St. Peter's <laughs> was going to be St. Peter's, they they should be, uh, you know, uh, they should be going to the racetrack. This year. <laughs> Because it's impossible to make that kind of a prediction, yep. you know what I mean, on anybody. It just is. And, but, you know, I mean, obviously, you think about Iona. You know what I mean? Iona's, Rick Pitino's there. Um, you know, when you look at the, there's 68 coaches in this thing, he's probably the best coach in the tournament, you know, and he's coaching at Iona. Now, you still got to have players, and they still got to do it. There's no question. But, you know, why not say Iona has a chance to do something? Now they're going to have a tough game with UConn, no doubt about it. But, you know, uh, I don't think they're going to because I think, you know, when you're a 13 seed, it you know, becomes really hard, obviously, to go a long way. But, hey, why not pick him? He's as good as anybody else. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a, kind of a popular pick uh, as well, too. But you look at that UConn team. You know, and, you know. Again, from your coaching experience, you know uh, as well, Steve. What what is the key ingredient? We always hear, okay, it's guard play, it's three point shooting. You know, it's rebound. G- give give me give me the, the the prototype that the team that you need to have to cut down the nets. Well, you need good guard play because you can't turn the ball over. If you're going to win a championship, you can't turn the ball over. You got to be solid defensively on the perimeter and not allow people to make threes against you. So I'm going to say perimeter play has become the most important thing in college basketball. Now, that being said, and and I know rebounding is rebounding, but I wouldn't even put that. I think the most important thing is not turning the ball over and being able to guard people's perimeter so that they're not comfortable and they can make threes against you. Great stuff. All right, he is Steve Lapis with CBS, and he is going to be on the call on Friday. Looking forward to that Friday and Sunday in those games in Columbus, Ohio. My friend, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Always great catching up with you. Hopefully we get a chance to connect with you um, you know, at least one more time during the course of the tournament. But uh, great work, as always, at CBS. Love watching you, my friend, and uh, love seeing you when we get a chance to see you out here in Vegas in person, too. Always love it, TC. Take care now. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you. There he is, Steve Lapis from CBS, the former coach at Villanova. Definitely knows a thing or two about coaching in the NCAA tournament. All right, we come back. 
We talk numbers. We talk betting. We talk the sportsbook side. Chuck Esposito is going to join us. He's out at Red Rock, and uh, they got things happening out there. They're getting ready for this coming weekend uh, with the last man standing contest and uh, all the games on over there. Let's dive into that with Chuck coming up. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All the things. Oh, jam-packed show uh, today. Great stuff with Tim Brando from Fox Sports and Steve Lapis from CBS. Looking forward to all of the madness there and uh, our terrible Tuesday takes as well with the breaking football news. Make sure you go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com and wherever you get your podcast, uh, check out the show. And uh, again, to the website for all the past interviews, everything else, our bracket is up there as well too. All right, no better time to, like I said, get ready, get your brackets in. And the last man standing contest, always one of the most popular contests uh, here in Las Vegas through uh, Station Casinos and our good friend Chuck Esposito overseeing all that and a whole lot more as the madness is here. Chuck, what's going on, my friend? You hit the nail on the head, TC. The madness is here. Uh, we've definitely got our dancing shoes on from our side of the counter. Um, love the Cinderella stories. I think everybody gets excited about the, the David against Goliath matchups. And as you mentioned, um, last man standing. It's such a, such a great contest in our signature contest. Uh, for the $25, you get one entry fee. For $100, you get four, but you get an extra one, a fifth bonus one free. And it's just like the tournament. You win. And you move on, you lose, and that entry goes home. So if you haven't got signed up, get signed up now. Deadline is 6 o'clock this Thursday, um, so you still have time to get in right now. Um, but get signed up for Last Man Standing. Again, a minimum of 50000 guaranteed. And I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chuck, about the 6 p.m. on Thursday, which means if – you you know miss the Thursday action. You can still go ahead and, and get those Friday games for the first round, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. No, you have to sign up by Thursday. So you're gonna it's the games that are remaining on Thursday. You have to pick every day of the tournament. So you would have whatever the late games are left on Thursday, but you'd have to win one of those games then to move on to Friday. Friday is day two. Right. Right. Exactly. So okay. So yeah, you're right. So then you're if you wait to the last minute, then you're kind of limited with what's left on the board yeah, for the but, nighttime session. But if you like one of those games, I mean, there's still there's still right. plenty of good games right. on on Thursday. I mean, you look at six at six o'clock. I mean, you you're still going to have almost two games or at least one game in just about every region yeah, yeah. Um, that you still have to bet on. And, and if there's any overtimes or, you know, games go long or get delayed, it's possible you have another one in there. But, I mean, just thinking about day one on that Thursday, um, you've got uh, Lafayette and Tennessee, which is a late game, Northern Kentucky-Houston, you know, number one seed there. Uh, you've got Penn State and A&M. And then you've got uh, and North Carolina-Asheville and UCLA. So you still would have – Four games left to choose. That that is great. Now, was it always that way, Chuck, or did, or was it the the cutoff uh, either the day before or the, or the late night on on the Wednesday prior? Be, uh, it used to be nine. It used to be nine a.m. the day of. Okay, eight, that's what I thought. Somebody yeah. guessed it. Got tied up at work or something or traffic, and they couldn't get couldn't get to the property. Uh, so we've extended that, giving them another opportunity. That's um, most people do sign up prior um, to you know the nine a.m. So they have the full you know, uh, the full menu of games to choose from. 
but you know, if not, you still have an opportunity to grab some of the late games. All right, and just for our listeners, Chuck, is that uh, you know you ha- you're picking that game against the number, or is it just straight up winners there? Nope, I'm picking it again. Uh, picking it against the STN Sports number. Yeah. Um. So they're all they're all half points. Those have been established now. Um. They're they're out there now, so guests can can turn their picks in for the Thursday if they like. They've been out there since since early this morning. The Friday ones, then, if you win, will be available early Friday morning. Same thing Saturday morning and Sunday and so on through the end of the tournament. Outstanding. All right, uh, last man standing at any of the station casino properties. Uh, Chuck, let's go back a little bit to Selection Sunday. Uh, we talk a lot about... Um, you know, getting ready for the Super Bowl and that sort of thing. Well, this is a very quick turnaround. I mean, you've got the brackets that get unveiled uh, by the time this is all done. It's about 3.45 or 4 p.m. Talk a little bit about what it takes your crew to do to get these numbers, to actually make a number on all these games and then get them up and get them on the board so you can take uh, a lot of that early action. And we know a lot of that early action is sharp action. And I know there's a lot of adjustments to be made on your side of the counter as well once uh you know you you've posted these lines you know see that the template is already you know set we know where all the uh games are taking place you know where all the um you know the, the the brackets and the regions where they're playing um locations we just don't know who the teams are so as the uh selection committee is going through it and we're we're all watching we're inputting the teams at that point um looking at our uh, power ratings as all the the games kind of go in and then it's it's actually a really fun segment for for us and 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 the hub team here that does an awesome job it's just kind of brainstorming going through each game um kind of thinking where where we think is is the best two-way number and then once it's up you know the, our guests will tell us really quickly if the number is is uh too high or too low but you know, I, I know I've talked about the, the experiences when we put up the uh, props uh, for the Super Bowl and how how we enjoy it from our end, and we're the same way with Selection Sunday. There's definitely oohs and ahs from our side of the counter, looking at you know, wow, I can't believe this team is is seated here and this team's not, or this team's in, or this team is out. But that decision is something we can't change. Um, so we're getting to work and uh, looking forward to getting them on the board. And once they're on the board, I mean, that's when the real fun starts. Talk a little bit about the early action and any line movement that you saw once you put those openers up on Sunday night or into early Monday morning. You know, there's always a little bit, T, um, you know, that you see some games move. The bulk of this, though, again, is, is really, really, um, you know, as you get closer to, to Thursday. I think tomorrow's when you'll start seeing uh, a lot more guests coming in. Uh, we've got so many requests for reserved seats. It's even more so than what you see for, for Super Bowl. Um, I know Jay has kind of referred to it as, uh, you know, four, that, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday format as four straight NFL Sundays. Um, you're definitely going to see movement. Um, I think what you see now more than ever before, though, is a much more tightness in the numbers, meaning that, you know, you, I think there's only, uh, I think, three or four games that you have, um, you know, over, say, 15 points or so. Um, where in the past, five years ago, you, you saw at least, you know, a dozen games with, with huge numbers on it. And I think that really, you know, screams to the fact that a lot of these, you know, these big schools, the Blue Bloods, they, they've got kids that are there, you know, for a year. They're one and done in many cases. And a lot of these smaller schools, you see kids that are there for, you know, for multiple years that I think is just such a, a game changer when you see that. Um, they played together. They've gone through good times, bad times, but they're more of a veteran team. For example, uh, Missouri has, uh, um, I'm trying to say, is it Missouri? Excuse me, it's Penn State. They've got the most experienced team in the tournament 
Um, well, their average player has four years of D1 experience. And some of the bigger schools, you can't say that. And I think you, you've seen that in the tourney. You've seen kind of closer matchups. And it's definitely a reflection of the number because the numbers are much tighter than they've ever been before. No, and Memphis is another team. I believe Memphis has, uh, you know, four fifth-year seniors uh, on their on their team. They're a pretty uh, an older team too. And I know that, you know, from a handicapping perspective, you want to have. Uh, you know, you want to bet on those teams. I mean, you like to have the experience. You, you know, it's uh, you know, kind of getting away a little bit. You know, because of the COVID year and because of the transfer portal, kind of getting away from you know those those one and done you know type of teams like you know uh, Kentucky used to field all the time. And maybe one of the reasons why Kentucky is struggling a little bit this uh, this year, and we're seeing teams like Penn State and other ones like that that uh, have have older teams. You know, and uh, which is cool. And I think I think people. People love that. I mean, heck, in close to home here in the Mountain West Conference, you see that with Utah State. Right, right. I mean, for example, I mean, Kennesaw State, you know, most people might not know that much about, but I mean, they're returning the most minutes played um, from their team last year. So 81% of the minutes played on their team this year was from kids who played last year. So, you, you know, they're a prohibitive underdog, no question about it in their first game, but they're a team that has at least, at least been in games that they've trailed before, been in some big games before throughout their conference. They have something to pull from. So, you know, I think we're always looking at, you know, stats. Uh, Texas, you know, A&M Corpus Christi is the number one free throw, free throw shooting team in the country. Um, Furman is the number one, you know, uh, two-point conversion team uh, in the country percentage-wise. So we're always kind of looking at that stuff. And I think that, you know, we're in such an information era right now that the guests are so much more educated and so much more on top of it. And shows like yours and a lot of the shows on TV, they're talking about these stats and trends and how some of these smaller schools measure up. And I think that's what's really made the tournament, you know, so great. It's not just looking at the top, you know, say four to eight teams and saying uh, one of those is going to automatically win. Um, maybe someone else has a chance. But strangely enough, the last five champions have all been number one seeds, and twelve of the last fifteen champions have all been number one seeds. However, the last time. The number one overall team won, which happens to be Alabama this year, was 10 years ago. It was 2013 when Louisville won the national championship. So uh, ones have kind of dominated uh, so far overall in the tournament. But there's just so many kind of cool stats out there that make you kind of you know look at what's going on and, and you know, is there a chance for a, for a Cinderella story? I'll throw a couple more real quick at you. Since 79, a double-digit seed has reached the Sweet 16 39 out of 43 times. A number one seed in that same time frame from 79 has won the tournament 29 out of 43 times. So that tells you that Cinderella always seems to get invited to the dance and stay out a little bit later, <laughs> but for whatever reason, she's not leaving the dance as the as you know, uh, as Cinderella, yeah. because uh, a number one seed is still prevailing most of those years. Yeah, exactly. Not in, not leaving with as uh, the prom queen with the crown uh, on her head. <laughs> right? Good stuff, Chuck. Great stuff. Uh, great stuff. And I know our listeners uh, really uh, appreciate all of that, Chuck. I've got, right I've got one more for you, T. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know how we always talk about the five twelve, right? Yeah. Where um, you know the 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 uh, the twelve seeds have really pulled off upsets in the past uh twice last year um i think you can make a case this year some of those 12 seeds really are live it's college of charleston uh, drake or or vcu but think about this in the history of the tournament 
Um, you know, of course, ones have won it, twos have won it, threes, fours, six, seven, and eights. But of the top eight, the only seed that has never won it, and we talk about the upset special of five versus 12, is the number five seed. So if you're a number five seed this year, you have to feel a little bit like, hmm, can I buck that trend or not? <laughs> and it's funny because we were talking about the the seeds uh, yesterday, and there's some five seeds that I, I I don't really like. I mean, I think I think San Diego State is is overseeded at, at five, believe it or not. And you know, Duke is is kind of hot. Miami, you know, they got they got an injury problem, and then St. Mary's, who got blown out by Gonzaga, nice season by St. Mary's. But as we know, we've seen St. Mary's sometimes have matchup problems. So I'm looking at these five seeds, and I'm I'm xing out just about all those. And I know Duke has been a great story, but let's be honest, Chuck, nobody expected Duke to have the season they've had this year, especially with Coach K. Ret- Tiring and John Shire, and then they didn't get off to a great start. Uh, but yeah, I so I I could see that. So I'm scratching off all those fives. Well, I mean, Duke is still playing really well. I mean, you always yeah. want a team that isn't necessarily playing well at the beginning of the year, but kind of healthy and playing well at the end of the year. We know they're in the same bracket as Purdue, and you know, you, you kind of look at the committee and go, really? Um, that you know, it's it's a bracket that Duke can win coming out of that seed. Um, Duke does come in. They, they did get blown out by Purdue earlier in the season. Uh, Duke is the biggest team in the tourney, though. Duke's average height is six seven. So I mean, they come in as the biggest team in the tourney. Um, they are a very hot team right now, but I think you look at College of Charleston as, as a 12, you know, 31 and three, and the intense D that they play. Uh, Drake against Miami. Um, we know the injury uh, to Amir on, on Miami, and, and you kind of talked about St. Mary's a little bit. So there are definitely some questions uh, with some of those number five seeds. And we talk about the five twelve, at least in that opening matchup. Like Chuck said, at least one number twelve seed has defeated a five in thirty two of those thirty seven tournaments last year. It happened twice. Right. Yep. Yeah. Richmond beat uh, Iowa and New Mexico State uh, defeated UConn uh, just last year. But again, it's it's all about the matchups. Uh, a lot of times, it's it's the crazy bounce. Um, you know, that gets you as well too. So. I, I just, yeah, you're right. I just like to throw some of the, the, you know, some of the stats and trends out because I think, you know, conventional wisdom is look at the, who the favorite is in the game or the highest seed. But yeah. I mean, you think about the last two years, T, a number 15 seed has won an opening round game. Right. Um, it has never happened three straight years. Right. Um, but there's just so many things, you know, that you can kind of look at. The Big 12 is trying to win, you know, three consecutive um, titles in 30 years. Um, you know, when you look at uh, Baylor and Kansas, um, can, can they get one of their schools to do it uh, and win three consecutive um, you know, national championship. So there's just some kind of cool trends. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to throw all this out when the games start. And you and I can talk later in the week or next week. And we'll be throwing all this out the window. But it's kind of fun to talk about all this stuff um, and, and seeing how it plays out uh, once the games get playing on Thursday and Friday. No, and you're right. And we just go back last year and the year before. And you remember uh, what St. Pete's was a, a 15 seed and Oral Roberts. Uh, when right, Earl Roberts right. knocked yep. off Ohio State two years ago, I remember being in the room for that, and and people were losing their mind with that. You know, I uh, I remember a guy uh, I was sitting next to who had Oral Roberts. He knew nothing about basketball whatsoever, and he goes, "Hey, I just think they're a pretty cool name." Oral, I'm betting on them, and he, and the guy showed me a five hundred dollar ticket that he got on Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. 
And he got and then last year, same thing, you know, St. Peter's, no one saw St. Peter's coming. And, and like I said, both of those, well, you know what, uh, Oral Roberts made to the Sweet 16, but St. Pete's went to the Elite Eight. Now, granted, things kind of fell in their favor after that. You know, the other teams got knocked off, but you're right. It just, it could happen. It could be, it could be a 13. It could be a 14. It could be a 12, a 15, you know, and it, it could shock you to who's going to still be alive uh, next weekend. I think that's what makes it so much fun. I mean, it's been, you know, UNLV won the national championship 33 years ago. And what made that unique is they are the last team that to win, the last school to win the national championship, that the conference that they came out of had less than four bids. And if you look at two teams this year, number one seed Houston from the American, only two bids. And if you look at the number three seed Gonzaga, uh, only two bits from the uh, West, uh, West Coast Conference. So when you think about just kind of the strength of schedule and who they play, um, we know we've, we've talked about the Zags for a number of years that, you know, can they get to that next level? They're an extremely good and talented team. They get a lot of backing. But when you look at that stat of 33 years, you really start thinking about kind of the strength of schedule and conferences that put six, seven, and eight teams there that teams or schools are playing somebody who's going to be in the tournament during conference play almost every night. That is not the case for Houston and Gonzaga. All right. Great stuff from Chuck Esposito there uh, at Red Rock. All right, Chuck, let's uh, talk look about some of these uh, opening round games here. Which games actually kind of maybe you, you took a lot of action on or maybe a little surprise that you took some action on where maybe people felt like, okay, maybe that number's not right. Is, is there a couple games that really stand out as far as volume? I'm just going to touch on games, I think, in every, re- in every region, T, that kind of um, I want to see. Uh, I, I look at the South, and I think the Maryland-West um, Virginia game um, is a really intriguing matchup. I think Creighton is a team in the South that could kind of make a surprise run. You look at last year, they were playing without their best player. Uh, They had an outstanding recruiting class. They got off to a really rough start this year, but then started to play well towards the end of the year. Um, So I think Creighton's one of those teams for me that is an extreme sleeper just based on the price. And the second-round matchup I'm looking forward to, if it happens, would be Arizona-Missouri. In the East, Duke Oral Roberts, just because of the contract in styles to me. Um, and then second round matchup, if it comes Duke, Tennessee, I think that's a pretty good matchup. Uh, Midwest, Iowa, Auburn, um, is a matchup that I'm looking forward to. I think Auburn's a team that just because of their size, um, and how, and how they have kids that have been there a few years, I think they're a team that can make a, a little bit of a run. And Penn State, Texas, if it works out that way, I think in the second round would be a really good matchup. And then out West, you're going to love this. UConn against Iona, against Ricky P. Um, uh, Second-round matchup, if it happens, if UConn wins, UConn-TCU. I think TCU's flying under the radar a little bit. But there are so many kind of great storylines, and I could go through so many of these games. I just wanted to kind of give it more of a brief kind of overview of some of the games that have, have kind of piqued my interest. But, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening would have a, a different game that kind of piques theirs that they want to see. Um, but there's a lot of really good matchups on Thursday and Friday. And don't forget tonight and tomorrow night you have those up, uh, the play-in games, which are really good as well. Yeah, and you got uh, Mississippi State and Pittsburgh uh, tonight, then Arizona State and Nevada. And a lot of, you know, questions about should uh, UNR be in this tournament, especially the way 
to close the season, losing against Wyoming and then UNLV, and heck, the Rebels swept them this year. And then you look at uh, how they lost to San Jose State in the opening round of the Mountain West, and and they made the tournament. I mean, they made a tournament. Now they got to play, you know, uh, in the play-in game against uh, an Arizona State team who upset Arizona a couple weeks ago. So that's interesting uh, as well, too, Chuck. And talk a little bit about that and and the Mountain West Conference teams that are in there uh, with Boise State and San Diego State drawing a number five seed, and then of course Utah State, uh, you know, kind of a popular pick as well. Yeah, Utah State's a small favorite. Uh, Boise's a small underdog. Um, San Diego State's a team meet for me. Team. I could see them having problems with Kyle at Charleston. Yep. I could also see him winning two or three games. So, you know, it just depends on how these teams come out. And I, I think, you know, so much of it's matchup driven. And again, I can't say it enough. It, it's the longer that these kids play together, you really see that when the, when the tournament starts. But this College of Charleston team is really good at 31-3. and three. They have a number of the intangibles you look for for a team to, to win a game in the first round and pull off an upset. And, you know, they really have them. But uh, overall, again, I, I think, you know, the Mountain West hasn't done great. Um, look for them to maybe kind of bounce back this year and get a few wins. But that, that game, College of Charleston and, and San Diego State, to me, is a little intriguing, too. Chuck, going back to... Thursday and Friday and you know the the opening weekend here is just so much fun fantastic and everybody wants to you know have action how does it compare to a regular NFL Sunday cuz you had mentioned you know earlier you know that you know how much action you get on an NFL Sunday how does it compare like say how is Thursday going to compare to uh, an NFL Sunday i think you know it is a fair comparison and i think the reference about you know Four straight Pro Football Sundays is fair. I think the difference is, is that on a Pro Football Sunday, you've got really relatively kind of two really busy kickoff times. And then you've got the one late game. Um, with the college basketball tournament on Thursday and Friday, um, we're going to have expanded hours. We're open earlier. We stay, we stay open later. But I think it's that, you know, everyone, you know, starts coming in early for that early barrage of games. And then it's just kind of one barrage after another. You've got the early one, the second one, then you have some staggering of it. Then you've got kind of the 430 games and then like the 630 or 7, 7 o'clock games. I think it's more that you've got at least four or five huge waves of games, which just create kind of it's a different atmosphere with all the different games going on at the same time. Um, the crowd in the book, to me, it, it, I mean, and the sounds that, that echo from the book are contagious throughout the property. They make it fun. I think the entire property kind of transforms into, you know, hoops madness. And a number of the bars and, and venues are, are showing the games at all of our, our properties. And there's just drink specials and, and cool stuff going on. And I actually have more guests that tell me they're coming in for the tournament and asking for seats than I do for Super Bowl. People that are telling me, both guys and, and, and girls, you know, they come in for the tournament every year. They never miss, you know, spending it in the book because the atmosphere is so much fun. And that's what I'm looking forward to this year again. You got that right. All right, Chuck, we appreciate the time as always. We'll look forward to talking with you next week. Uh, enjoy the busy, busy weekend. But, hey, I know you'll be having a lot of fun as well, too. Of course, T. I mean, I love it. It's like my, my first year being in the tournament. I mean, every year I have just as much fun. Love spending time out there with the guests. Uh, you know, we'll be sweating back here and hooting and hollering, and uh, uh, it's going to be fun. And uh, I, I'm anxious to see who Cinderella is 
and I can't wait to see who David is against against Goliath. Now, now Chuck, un, 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 underneath, you know, your collared shirt or your jacket or whatever, are you gonna <laughs> you gonna have a college uh, college shirt on or anything? You gonna be you know kind of secretly rooting for somebody? Come on, your alma mater. What's going you on? Ask me that during football. You know, if I'm gonna wear a bear shirt, I, I'm rooting for whoever we need. Um, I, I mean, I want to have fun, and um, you know, I, I just I said underneath, whole, Chuck, where is. no one can see. I'm just saying underneath. <laughs> you know, come on. I'm not answering that question. Dude. <laughs> there it is. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk to Jason Simmons. Hey, Jason, did you see Chuck uh, changing in between games? I don't know what that is. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, buddy. Hey, great stuff, my friend. I appreciate you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll all be enjoying it. All right. Thanks, T. You too. There it is. Chuck Esposito. Go see him. Go see the great crew out at the Red Rock. Uh, any of the station casino properties. Get into that last man standing contest. Twenty five bucks uh, per entry, and if you get a fifth, it's uh, it's free for a hundred bucks. So do that. It is a lot of fun. Nick Nice loves doing that. All right. Want to thank Steve Lapis, the head coach, and great job at CBS Sports. Tim Brando, who has called so many of these March Madness tournaments, and he's currently with Fox right now. Uh, we got want to thank him. And everybody else. I want to thank Nick and Numchuck. TC back at you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And wherever you go, check out the show, tcmartinshow.com.